how much do you guys think it would cost for us to get the rights to play, um, what's that Simon and Garfunkel song, you know, Hello Dark Nights, My Old Friend? One's the laser's out. Silence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would it cost more than $4.4 million? Uh, I think you can pick up Garfunkel on the cheap at this point. Simon might be a little more expensive. <laughs> He's hey, on the way well, up. Let's He's on the way down. Get started. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast, part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Meringue. And today, we knew we were going to have a lot to get through. And I think you already heard his voice, but we called in an extra special guest today, former host of this podcast, managing editor of Blazer's Edge, Dave Deckard. Danny and Dave, together again. How are you guys doing? Oh, yeah. I bet everybody's just just burning with excitement for this pairing. <laughs> well, I mean, I went for breakfast this morning and I wanted French toast. Uh... And I thought I was going to get French toast, but it turned out... Did I only get had waffles? 10 cents in my pocket, so I got a rice cake, <laughs> uh, which means I'm pretty much uh, on par with how the Blazers are doing right now. <sighs> I, I wasn't sure if you already. were going like with Dan and the waffle hate or if you were where, where you're going, but I knew we were going to start off with a food metaphor because, Dave, that's your that's your go-to one, and that's why all those years that I listened to the Blazers podcast, I always ended up hungry at the end of it. <laughs> Dave, Dave's in with, with the, the big food companies. That's that's really what this is all about. Yes, big agriculture. That's me. <laughs> I guess. Well, you guys, I think we're going to minimize the chit chat tonight because we have a lot to talk about. It is we are recording this on Sunday night. Uh, LeBron is a Laker. That's a thing now. This is the darkest uh, timeline. <laughs> how are you guys feeling about that one? <sighs> I mean, who cares? Seriously, he was going to go somewhere that was popular. I would have rather he went to Philadelphia, mm -hmm. but signs were he was going to join the Lakers. Have Adam, have fun. Second place in the West is just as bad in some ways as 13th, just without the fancy draft pick after they they also got Lance Stevenson, they got JaVale McGee. So they're assembling the all crazy team. Oh, yeah. uh, Can they get Swaggy P back? Yeah, I, I don't remember at this point. My head is spinning. I think they just went on, you know, they had they had a really nice cocktail and then they drank the bar dry. Uh, good luck to them. They ate we'll the see worm. They can beat the Warriors. <laughs> right, right now. No, Rodman. Dennis Rodman is the one one they haven't saw yet. <laughs> yeah. No, this is uh, the, the craziness that they've brought in on this team is like ESPN's just absolutely favorite thing in life. Like that's that's what this is. Like I, I don't I don't know how to get any other way around this. Like this is you you could not put together a more like TV show ready primed group than than what has been put together here. And it's just I I, I just don't even know what to say. Like this is on top of everything else. It's all blazer related already. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird year. I just. I just don't know how much and who we have to pay and what part of our souls we have to give up to get out of the West. I mean, the it's just, you know, we thought last year was tough and it just got that much harder. So I guess we have to just hope that Boston um, and Philadelphia, 
I guess there are only hope out there in the East. But anyway, we need to turn to Blazer News because we do have some big news. We don't have a ton of Blazer News, but it is big, and it is about Ed Davis. So probably most people who are listening to this now know that Ed Davis is now a Brooklyn Net. I can barely even talk about this, so I'm going to turn it over to you guys and start with you, Dan. How did you feel when you learned that Ed Davis had agreed to go to the Nets? Absolutely blindsided, and I know Dave will have a, a different take on this, but everything that I had heard, uh, everything leading up to this, was that it was essentially a done deal. They would have found a way, even if it was less than what Brooklyn offered, because Ed wanted to stay here. There's a reason why every basically every media member in and around Portland and really around the league is sitting here going, how did they let that happen? And it's not just the Ed Davis hit. It's Damian Lillard's reaction to it. Like there are Mm -hmm. so many pieces to this that it just nuts. Everyone's like, oh, you should have seen this coming. You should have seen this coming. Like I, I understand the finances behind it, but there was still a lot of thought that they would find a way, even if it was less money than they gave to, um, that Brooklyn gave to him, that he was willing to take the discount to stay because he wanted to be here. And that was a thought that really Ed himself conveyed. So when he immediately signed that deal, that leads me to believe that something happened. It's, that's just something weird, wonky, crazy, something happened. And I, I, don't, I just don't know what to say at this point. Dave, you actually wrote a piece last night for Blazer's Edge taking um, a kind of a different uh, tactic on that. You wrote that none of us should be surprised. Can you talk about that some more? That's crazy talk. I mean, have you read for more than 10 seconds? Not you, Dan, but anyone who's <laughs> surprised, seriously. Uh, there's not a projection that we've made all year that included Ed Davis staying with the Blazers. There were some features that, you know, said, boy, that would be a good idea. That would be cool. But every single time we've talked about this free agency period, we've talked about what a bind the Blazers are in. And look, if you walk into a store with $10 and you know Five of those dollars are going to go to buy you a Yusuf Nurkic. But Nurkic might cost all 10. You can't spend $5 on Ed Davis. You, otherwise, you're going to be stuck if Nurk gets a contract offer. Plus, you know, obviously, they have younger options there. Not as good, I don't think. Not as steady, anyway. They don't have anybody who can replace Ed Davis in the locker room. But... At the same time, look, you know, he was expendable. He shouldn't have been expendable. They didn't have to get into this situation, but seriously, they did not have the money to keep him. And this is the problem with putting yourself in that kind of bind. You have to say goodbye to some players that did well for you, that you like, like Davis, like Shabazz Napier. And, uh, you know, those are the lumps you got to take. So one thing that I have learned in my season on this podcast with Dan is that every time I try to ask him a black and white question, a yes or no question, there's always a a gray area. There's always a difference. It's never like a a yes or no. So, I mean, I don't know why they had to do that. You're saying they had to do that. I don't know why they had to. I mean, was there no way possible that they could scrape together enough money to make Ed an offer? Was it just like fiscally impossible that they could not have come together to do something like that? Because you're assuming that they would make, you know, the logical move, but there's always so many moves and very few of them are ever logical that actually ever get made. 
No, they're all logical, and that's the problem. It's a business. It's it's not a, you know really done with your heart. They knew Davis was a fan favorite. Uh, they knew he contributed value to the team. But these are things that are done on comps, right? You you play a pay a player what their worth is, and I think. Davis is worth 4.4 million, but the problem is it's not going to end up costing the Blazers 4.4 million. It's going to end up costing him 4.4 million plus whatever it is in luxury tax penalties they'd have to pay to keep him. At a certain point, it goes beyond their sensible range, uh, and and what that would be will depend on their final moves. We're going to have to look at their final salary total. But basically, once he crosses that range, they have to say goodbye. That's the way the business works it's kind of like poker you, you you have a feeling about a hand you can go with that feeling but you're going to lose more often than not and so you tell yourself here's what the odds are if something exceeds the odds you fold that's what they did with that dan do you have any response to that no and, and Dave's right like they, they could have paid him but it would have hurt it would have hurt a ton and i think what's what's frustrating a lot of people right now is that We've heard a lot of talk recently about the fact that the Blazers were willing to go into luxury tax. We've heard that now for a year and a half. They were going to do it. They're going to do it anyway. So what's the cost? <clears throat> and when you've got this mixed messaging out there, that's, I think, what, what a lot of people are really, really frustrated about is that they're, they're, they're getting the, the mixed messages on top of losing a guy like Ed Davis. Like you, yeah, you but it's not just a cost. It's the cost for whom? If LeBron James wanted to sign for oh, that yeah. money, you bet they would sign him. But Ed Davis is not going to make the difference between a team that gets swept out of the first round and a team that goes to the conference finals, probably. So they're figuring, what am I investing that money in? How many actual wins am I getting? How much progress am I going to make for this money? And what it adds up to is what we've been saying all year, that they don't have the hand to go to the conference finals or the NBA finals. So spending more money on that hand just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and I don't disagree with that at all uh, from from that standpoint. The the big issue for me, and we, we'll, we'll get into this here in a little bit, is basically what you're showing the rest of the league and your franchise player. The, the optics of this are just so bad, and I think it's finally dawning on a lot of people that this, this is happening. And I think that's where a lot yeah, of the frustration is coming from the most. The optics of it have been bad for years. Mm-hmm. Who have the Blazers convinced to come here? Yep. I mean, the, the optics have never been good. All we're seeing right now is it's hitting the general public yep. now that the Blazers are not generally respectable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's been known in NBA circles for a while now. And whatever they were trying to sell, nobody was buying. Okay, I think Dave might actually be more worked up about Dan on this one. Dan, I feel like I should get you a little bit you 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 more riled up too. No, <laughs> I, I, I'm with Dave. The thing is, Dave and I have been talking about this for what is like close to three years. I mean, it's that that, that that's what I think why I'm at the point where it's just like, yeah, I mean, that's just what it is. Like I I, I haven't resigned myself to it, but I think people are just now realizing it. Like Dave said, that the public, the the general consensus is now realizing that how bad things are. You can't assign the guy that your franchise, your city, your star player, love and adore. He's one of the best in the league at what he does, and he took less than $5 million and you were in such a precarious financial situation that you couldn't do a damn thing about it. 
-hmm. right? And they have an audience of one in that case. And that audience is Damian Lillard. Yep. That's the guy who's going to be making a decision in a couple of years whether or not to stay with this franchise. And this is, you know, this is not going to be the single decision maker, but this doesn't help. Yeah. And if they were serious, I think, about being able to go forward and do something significant over the next couple of years, Davis probably would have been in those plans. Now, I think they're still going to do something. I don't think they are done. I think they are going to make a move. But if that move is going to be a difference maker, it better be pretty big at this point because you're going to have to do even more with it to counterbalance losing Davis. My next question is you guys talked about how you've been talking about this for a long time people are now finally realizing it if this in fact is the tipping point what can people do about it is there anything that any of us can do i mean or do we just i mean sit here and sit here and watch it happen do we wait? How long do we wait? How long do we wait until this next move? I mean, if we all stop buying tickets and don't go to the games, I mean, that's that's not the, but we love the Blazers. You know, I think one of the reasons that we're having such a dramatic reactions to this is because, like, we love them. We love this team. And if, if we didn't, it wouldn't mean anything. You know, if we didn't care, we wouldn't be that mad about it. We'd be like, eh, whatever. So, like, so what can we do now? What do we do next? Dave, this one's all you. What do <laughs> we do? There, there's no, there's absolutely nothing you can if you think if you think Neil Olshay gives a rip about what you think uh, then uh, boy that's uh, I don't mean you again Tara I'm not talking directly to you I'm talking about anybody I mean people can do a lot of stuff they can say well I'm giving up my season tickets you know what they're still going to have enough season tickets to if not sell out the arena at least get close uh, the people are still going to find reasons to believe and they should frankly I mean look. This, there still can be a lot of, of fun to be had watching this team. And I'm not the type to walk away in disgust. But th the thing is, it's never been about fun. It's never been about enjoyment. It's been more about what the truth is. And the truth has been obscured and the truth has been sold in different ways in order to encourage the, the fan base to do whatever the fan base is going to do. I think the fan base should still do it. But there's nothing wrong with doing it with eyes open. And, you know, a decent fan base knows the difference between good basketball and good basketball moves and whatever is happening now and has been happening over the last couple of years. And I think the fan base has a right to at least speak the truth about that. It's not going to make any difference because the guy who makes the decisions is Paul Allen. Uh, and, you know, he's above you or me. He has a couple, multiple, multiple there's billion dollars of insulation. In yeah. Well, and not, <laughs> not only does he not hear, literally he has many, many, billion reasons not to care uh that said uh you know you wish that the story could be better it's just not right now but hey the story's been bad before i mean <laughs> rewind back to 2005 and you know it wasn't it wasn't anywhere close to as good as this so right. you know i mean we're I, we're sad because we had it really we had a player who meant a lot to the franchise. He meant a lot to the fans. He meant a lot to the franchise's star player. And we're sad that he's gone. And we understand that it's a business. And if he didn't get paid enough money, it's just, it was, you know, at least when LaMarcus left, he got paid a whole bunch of money. And we were like, well, you know, I mean, we know that there were other things going on, but to find out how much money Ed is taking somewhere else, that was, that was the part to me that was 
so shocking is that it was uh, not for as much money as I as I thought he was going to do. But I, we have a lot to cover, so I want to move on and talk about just take a, a quick second to appreciate Ed while he was here. And I'm curious what your guys' favorite Ed Davis memories are. Ooh, favorite Ed Davis memories? All of them? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, Ed, Ed's a guy that he's he's not going to make a, a ton of ESPN highlight reel plays or anything crazy like that. He's he's a workman. He's the heart and soul of the team. I mean, he, just it, it, it guts more than anything else, just what he meant to this team, to this franchise, to to fans, to the players on the team. Like that, that's what I'm going to miss more than anything, more than the individual plays is his general presence. Like, his general presence is something that the Blazers aren't going to be able to readily replace. They're just not. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll tell you, Terry, this is straight up a question you should be answered. So let me turn it around and ask you. I mean, I I think most of what Ed Davis gave at the heart of it, none of us ever saw. It happened in the locker room. It happened in practice. But uh, the rebounding, the low post, play those can be you know those can be replaced and uh, actually replaced from a variety of sources because that's not too popular in now in the in the modern NBA but there was a, something special to Ed that I think you had your pulse on more than any of us so what are you going to miss what did you remember oh gosh I have a, a lot of them but I'll uh try to keep it to a minimum. When Ed first came, I had no idea who he was. I couldn't even remember his name for a long time. Cause you know, Ed Davis, not like, you know, a super memorable name, but once I finally figured out who he was, remember he was really skinny still when he came to play for us. And I remember watching him go after rebounds in a way I'd never seen anybody go after rebounds. And I, what I would say is that he would look like he was trying to jump and protect a spider from falling on someone's head. Cause he just would like with lightning quickness, like get to it before anybody else does. It was like this desperation that he would go with on his rebounds. So initially I loved his rebounds, um, but a couple other moments of his uh, stood out to me. And I think part of it was, again, we, nobody knew Ed Davis. I didn't know Ed Davis. Nobody that I, you know, was talking about the Blazers knew who Ed Davis was uh, when he came to the team. Um, But one thing that we did know when we look up, when we looked up his stats is that he was not a great free throw shooter, shooter, like pretty, like I would almost say bad. I would never say a bad thing about Ed, but his free throw shooting was not good at all when he came to the Blazers. And I remember it got better. And I remember one time distinctly at the end of a game, he got fouled on purpose and um, he went and he made that first free throw and he was like, super pleased with himself and you usually like didn't see him get like get like that and he like kind of tried not you could see he was like suppressing the smile and then he took the second free throw and he made the second free throw and just like this he he was like he couldn't hold it back anymore he was so proud of himself for making like a couple really critical free throws having known that he used to struggle with that and he just like this big goofy grin just like totally creeped out and it was so cute and then i have one more like ed davis fond memory and that was one time he got the ball under the basket and i was thinking about this the other night because i was trying because we've talked a lot about the last year about how the blazers haven't uh don't do a lot of transition and it reminded me of this story there was this one time where ed davis got the bucket under the basket and everybody else in the team had taken off like in transition and ed was like under the basket and everybody else was gone and he was like 
I got a dribble. And he just looked at the ball like, I have to do this. And he looked at Damien and like Damien was already up at half court. And like Ed kind of like gingerly started dribbling the ball up the court and was like looking at like Damien, like, come and get this. And Damien was like, no, he like clearly indicated to him, you are bringing it up. And it was just the funniest thing to see Ed Davis, like who's always so confident and so assured, like in this one moment was like just totally caught off guard because the ball was in his hands and it was his job to make this fast break. You know, we've seen him more recently gain a lot more confidence, but just watching him come into like becoming, you know, phys ed and like shirt off ed and like confident, you know, father of twins ed who can do everything. It was just a joy to watch that happen. Anyway, that was way too long. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. In other words, you're going to miss Ed Davis. I'm going to miss Ed Davis. Going to miss him a lot. Uh, Makes me very sad. And I'm very curious to find out when the story comes out that Jason Quick does, because last night he tweeted something about, uh, he said that he was going to write more on it later, but that, you know, Ed had said he wanted to stay. So that'll be interesting to see, see what comes out of that. How about your guys' favorite Mario Hazonia stories? Do you remember the <laughs> 20 seconds that he was ours? Oh, <laughs> man. <sighs> so for the people who may have missed it this afternoon, Sunday afternoon, it was incredible. Woj actually made a mistake. It was like, you know, I don't want to like take anything away from everything that Woj has done, which is incredible, but he, something he just slipped up and this afternoon he tweeted out that Portland was signing Mario Hazonia. And then like, you know, moments later he said, wait, let me, let me, let me correct that. It's actually the Knicks. I don't think (laughs) he made a mistake. I think he was talking with the Blazers and the Blazers thought they had him wrapped up. Oh, really? I, mean, I thought he just had multiple tweets already written on TweetDeck and he pushed the wrong one. <laughs> Woj isn't, he's he's not like waiting for sources. For anybody that's kept track of Neil O'Shea and where Blazers information goes to, it goes to one of two people. It goes to Adrian Wojnarowski or it goes to Zach Lowe. So if mm-hmm. Woj is tweeting something about the Blazers, it came from the Blazers. So I think the Blazers might have thought that they had Hazonia. I, I think that's I, what I happened. Think, I think the, the timing was too quick. I think it was probably an honest mistake, and I think it's likely that, uh, I mean, I'm, this is just conjecture, that Portland's name was in there, not because, th- th- not that they didn't pursue him, they might have kind of wanted him or had inquiries, but I think it's semi-likely that their name in there was to keep their name alive on the rumor mill to get, you know, to show that they were doing something mm-hmm. and that, uh he was that was on the brain or he had been talking to Olshay or something and just put in the wrong name and then immediately corrected it. I don't think you could have turned that quickly from, oops, we thought we had him. Oops, no, we don't. Uh, how do you communicate that quickly that he made the mistake, for instance? Uh, so, and I mean, I don't mean, I don't mean to cross you, Dan, but I'm just thinking it's more likely that Portland was in there kind of as a courtesy, maybe made a lowball offer or made inquiries and were rebuffed and their name got put in there just to keep it in the hopper. He had the, uh, he had the, the tweet ready to go with the, the autocomplete, just needed, had the dashes there, accidentally typed in Portland the first time. <laughs> or something. I mean, I've done stuff like that. It was like XXX, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, uh, I almost put Champs Terrania in, uh, in a headline that the, I don't know who acquired him. I forget what. I was doing the rumors post, and uh, somebody acquired somebody, and I almost put Shams in there. 
It was bad. That's like, nice. no, wait a minute. It was someone else that the Lakers got. <laughs> well, it's really indicative of, um, you know, of the off season and what happens. And, you know, the last 24 hours, I guess we're right. Almost exactly at 24 hours since uh, the free agency technically cooling off or what not cooling off period, but the moratorium um, started a lot of, people staying right where they are um, and then a few small moves. And one of the small moves, uh, you know, even though Mario Hazonia is not coming, uh, there is going to be a new player on the trailblazers. And that is Nick Stauskas. Uh, he signed, uh, I believe it was a minimum contract with the trailblazers. How about uh, you guys give me some thoughts on what the acquisition of Nick Stauskas uh, means or represents for the trailblazers right now? They get to say they added three point shooting, but they, it, what? they get to say they added three point shooting. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that, but it's not effective three point shooting. I mean, Nick Stauskas is on his what fourth team. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a reclamation project. It's, it's a hail Mary. If he sticks, he sticks. He's a, he's a, he's a minimum contract guy. Uh, I wish him all the best, but uh, really, it's it's just making sure you hit the minimum roster spots, and it's your your dollars that are are balanced right now by making sure you have the the minimum guaranteed roster spots in place. Well, I was confused why you know I'm not quite sure how he's di- different from Jake Lehman, who they also ended up actually guaranteeing. Dave, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, they have to fill a certain number of roster spots and they get charged for them anyway. The cheapest way to fill them is with the veterans minimum, which is what they would have been charged for them. So they're putting live bodies in there. I mean, I'm not saying you won't see them cut anybody. Uh, I I think maybe one of their ancillary players might go at at some point if they make another move. But basically, they're, they're trolling the bottom of the barrel here to try to find somebody who has some skill or can bring some hope or growth or whatever. Uh, Nick is 24 years old. He can shoot from outside. As long as you don't make him do much else, uh, you might be able to make the argument that he could add something. But he's not a good defender. When he gets inside the arc, he's pretty bad on offense as well. Uh, So... Basically, you know, you figure the guy's a shooting guard, he's 6'6", six, six, and he can shoot a three, and he plays for the NBA minimum that you were going to get charged anyway. So, hey, let's bring him in uh, on night one so we can say that we did something besides losing Ed Davis. And I'm sure Nick is happy to have a contract. And there you go. It works for both sides. So why Nick and Jake and not Pat Connaughton is because Pat Connaughton was going to cost more money? Yeah, at some point. Uh, that he was not going to pay for the minimum. His qualifying offer uh, would have been higher. And um, so they saved a few bucks and they probably weren't that interested in Pat anymore, frankly. Hmm. Well, I too hope that uh, this is the year of um, Jake Lehman. It's his third year on the team now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe this is the year that, we see all the promise come to fruition. Um, <laughs> we'll just—I'll say this we'll on the Stauskas signing. The, the Stauskas signing. The poor guy. I mean, I know coming on the heels of the Blazers losing Ed Davis, he's yeah. catching a lot of unnecessary vitriol for being the next announcement after that. And I kind of feel bad for the guy because mm-hmm. that's just that sucks. I mean, right. He he I did mean, nothing wrong. Was next, 
after Ed Davis left, if it wasn't like LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard <laughs> was going to have a really hard time. Yeah. Had he been, had he been signed an hour earlier, um, he would have been in a lot better position as far as the, uh, the optics of that whole situation. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, earlier, Dan, tonight you um, asked for questions, and boy, did folks come through. Holy shnikes. We have a ton of questions. Do you want to um, uh, choose a couple and let's, we can get started with them? Oh, boy. Um, let, let's go with the, the overlying one first, and this is from uh, BlazersFan72 at Hecubus01. How would you define a successful offseason? Now, I'm going to take this and turn this a little bit. How would you define the successful offseason from this point on? Well, it's the same as it's always been for me. Dump a big contract so you don't get into the situation again next year. Uh, although, if, you, if the Blazers plan, the scary thing is, if the Blazers plan to keep Nurkic, you should realize they're already over the cap next year. The cap is going up, but they're already over. You could right now dump Alfred Aminu, whose contract expires after this season, and Nurkic, if he plays for the qualifying offer, you could take those contracts off, and the Blazers are still at around $104 million for eight players. The cap's going to be around 109 so they've got about $3 million of usable space next year right now if they get rid of Aminu and Nurkic, who are two-fifths of their starting lineup. If they retain either of those guys, they have no cap space next year. So what's a successful offseason this year? Dump one of those big contracts so that you have some options next year and don't end up in this exact same spot. And frankly, I don't care who else you bring in or don't. I don't need any money. Michael Beasley's. I, I don't need if really anybody else if you can get rid of uh, one of those eight-figure deals. I, I, okay. I, I, I got nothing. <laughs> no, but I mean, he, he's right. I mean, that, that's, been, right? that's been the case since 2016. Remember, we were, we were talking about, or we were told that assets and asset retention and having the right contracts so that they're usable for trades, that's all great and good if a talent is commensurate with the, with the, the money involved. The problem is, and we've said this a billion times now, is the Blazers don't have enough of those guys whose talent is commensurate with their pay. The, the, uh, there's, really, there's only two guys left on the roster right now who, whose talent and production is commensurate with their pay. That's Damian Lillard now for Camino. And CJ is getting swallowed up by the tide. Yeah. Wait, do you remember this, Dan? We were there. Do you remember this? <clears throat> In a couple of years, these contracts are going to look really reasonable. <laughs> okay. Um, this, okay. Summer, <laughs> this summer, the, the great players are going to go for the MLA. I'm not talking about stars, but really, really good role players are going to go between five and eight million. Five million bucks is going to get you somebody decent. Myers mm -hmm. Leonard is making more than twice that. So the contracts didn't end up looking reasonable. Sorry. Okay. So what's your current um, idea on how to do that? They have to well, attach a pick or they have to, to attach a player. Assets. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Dame or CJ? I don't think it oh, has no, to go that, that far. Do it. They, 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 <laughs> someone have to take on forty million in salary. Then, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that if they wanted to trade Dame, they could probably dump a contract with them. But that's a little baby with the bathwater there. You're probably looking at Zach Collins, or you're looking okay. at future first round picks. Mm -hmm. uh, and the the one advantage that they 
do have, well, it'll be easier to do next summer when they only have one year remaining on those contracts. Right now, it's two years, which is going to make people skittish. So, I mean, they may have to wait till next summer to do it, but really, they need to dump. That is the number one priority. Get rid of either Evan Turner, Maurice Harkless, Myers Leonard, more than one if you can, so that you can get out of this mess. So a successful offseason from this point forward, in your mind, would include really getting rid of one of those uh, contracts using an asset such as um, a, you know, one of the younger players um, like Zach Collins or a future draft pick. I don't think they can use Collins this summer at this point. I think they'll judge that too high of a price. But yeah, probably first future first round pick. Especially Um, Ed. Yeah, I mean. That's the thing right now is you're looking at this team and you have to strip down basically everything before they can do anything. It's not about asset acquisition right now. Like when you can do asset acquisition, that's when you're a team that doesn't care about where you're at and where you're you're going to right away. You're just trying to build a foundation. The Blazers have a floor that's higher than these really crappy teams. That's the problem. And I I know that that may sound weird to some people, but that's legitimately the problem is that their floor is higher because Damon CJ, just by virtue of themselves, are probably 38 wins. Just those two guys. Insert random NBA uh, vet contract guys, and those guys, those two alone, will probably get you 35 to 38 wins. Okay, I have a question to follow. Another question that sort of follows up on the line that you were talking about. Um, That is one from uh, Danny Prins. Serious question, and I know Dan Morang has been on board for a while. With the super teams being created... Would Portland be better served blowing it up by trading Damon CJ for young pieces and picks? We can't compete now. Why not set up to compete later? You can't well, trade Damon. I'm sure that they won't. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to be the only team to have that idea. But see, now they have to make that decision now. Because if they make that decision now, then successful offseason looks a lot different. Now you're riding out the, the contracts and looking to move your primary assets assets for future assets so you don't want to trade away your future first round picks then that would so be now you're trading your mature anathema. players yeah yeah now you're trading Lillard and McCollum and trying to get future picks for them and by the way once you move one you got to move both because I don't think you can trade away CJ for instance for let's say first round picks the next two years and go to Damien and say haha don't worry this doesn't mean we're not giving up just a flesh wound you know he's going to leave at that point so at that point you got to look to move them both I, I differ a little bit on that one I, I, I just I don't think that the Blazers could afford just to move on from Damien Lillard in, in any capacity um, even if he's frustrated to the point of you know wanting to leave uh, I think he's such a valuable asset I just don't think you can get anything commensurate in return that makes enough sense I mean I just that's just kind of how I, I sit on that one my my idea or my thought was always if you wanted to, you could adjust by moving CJ for a player that's more productive in another sense. And the guy that I've, I've often mentioned is is Aaron Gordon. But let's, let's put this in perspective right now. Aaron Gordon, who's a damn near 20-point-per-game guy, multifaceted, incredibly athletic, just signed a deal that was $10 million more than Alan Crabb got in 2016. That, I mean, that, that's that's nutty to me. I mean, and, that, and that's the position that Portland has found themselves in because of bad financial decisions. Um, so it's, 
it's, I mean, it, it is dire straits, but I, I just, I can't bring myself to drop Damian Lillard almost under any circumstance. I get where Dave's coming from. Um, well, I'm not advocating that they should or saying no, no, they no. would. They won't, frankly. They won't do that. But if they were going to do that, they would need to bite the bullet now, and they mm-hmm. would need to go whole hog on it. They don't have the the wherewithal to do that. I mean, talk no. about fan base rioting. That that would just pull the plug on everything. I yeah. mean, they would. Well, they, you would see people canceling their season tickets actively as quickly as they could, and et cetera, et cetera. Of course, Lillard uh, himself probably would be shocked and somewhat upset. Even, but the problem is, if you wait till 2020 to make this decision. You know, he's on the last year of his contract. Who's sure that he's going to stay? You just don't get value for him. So once again, as I think has been typical over the last four or five years, the Blazers have two lanes. And if they pick one or the other, they'll probably be okay. But they're not really able to. And they're they're lining up to hit the median divide again. So the idea of doing it now has merit, but you don't think they have the stomach to do it. It, it has merit if you're looking doesn't. to rebuild. Yeah. I mean, but they won't do it. Right. And, uh, you know, the alternative is you've got to go deep into the luxury tax. You've got to push hard. You've got to use those TPEs. But again, traded player exceptions, who can you get for them? You, you can't go out there and get Kawhi Leonard for a traded player exception. It's not going to work. Uh, so... You know, again, the problem with with the left lane, the problem with continuing onward and trying to build onward is, barring a trade like Dan is talking about, which I think is a viable option with CJ, that you can't get in enough players to make a difference or good yep. enough players. So what you end up doing is spending the money, and in this case, a lot more money because of the luxury tax, and not getting the results you want anyway. Dan, do you want to ask uh, any uh, questions that have to do with like specific players? Would that be a good time to turn into those now? Yeah. Uh, Eddie Mack asked, do you think there's even a little bit of a chance that the Cavs might accept a hypothetical bad contract first round pick for Kevin Love trade? And I think that's honestly, I think it's a terrible idea. I know why people want to do it because they want to believe that Dame CJ plus another player can just make things work. Um, I, I just, I don't buy that because it's, again, you're, you're, all you're doing is you just, uh, to bring up something that we've used a, a ton of times with this team is you're just kicking the can. That's why, it's why I, I, I advocated for wanting to move CJ a couple of years ago is because mm-hmm. you needed, you needed to get out in front of this before anything else. And because the, because of they didn't, they're kind of stuck in this, Awful no man's land. We often talk about when we're discussing, you know, tanking versus not tanking, you know, which direction is this team going? I mean, even a storied franchise like the Lakers sucks something awful. And guess what <laughs> just happened to them? And I, and I, I get the Lakers are a different beast in the sense of market and, and prestige and all that stuff. But they accumulated assets and got Lonzo Ball. They got Kuzma. They got Ingram. And then they had enough cap space to go out and sign the best player in the world. And that became all about because they hit the hard reset button. The, the, the thing is, they made some really stupid decisions along the way. Hello, Mozgov. Hello, Luol Deng. But they found a way to get out of those. Mm-hmm. And it's because they bit the bullet. They cost them a guy who they really liked in D'Angelo Russell. So it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not easy to get out of it. That's for sure. Here's why it won't work. 
Kevin Love has a better contract than the players they'd be trading away. Yeah. I mean, Cleveland is capped out, so they can't take on, uh, you know, we can't, we have to have salary balance here, basically. Okay. So Kevin Love makes 24 million. Uh, the Blazers, in order to reach that without touching Dame or CJ, would need to do something like combining Evan Turner with uh, Myers Leonard or Mo Harkless and Myers Leonard. And combined, Cleveland would have two years of contract for much, much lesser players. They'd save maybe two, three million dollars. And by the way, Kevin Love has a player option, which maybe he might exercise next year. Probably not, because it's 26 million. But you might get out of that contract early. You can't get out of the contracts that the Blazers would be trading to them. And also, the players aren't worth the money. They're albatrosses. I'm not saying they're bad players. I'm saying on the market, they are not worth the money they're getting. And you're, the pick that you're going to get is going to be low first round. There is zero chance, I think, that that is going to be even remotely worth it to the Cavaliers. Like, literally, their bad contract that they're trying to get rid of at this point is better than the contracts the Blazers have. Well, one thing that I've mentioned a few times is how the the talent is never even in these in these trades and you know you just talked about the Lakers giving up somebody that they really liked in order to get out of one of these contracts so are you saying that you don't think the Blazers could stomach not um I mean being involved in a trade that was that had such a you know even though the money might match but the talent is very it has nothing uneven. to do with the Blazers. What is the what did the Cavaliers get out of the deal? They get a worse at best an equal, but really probably let's call it financial. Well, they lost LeBron. Maybe they don't want to do too well for what no, I mean. No, you don't, well, yes, if they're tanking, this would be one hell of a way to do it to pay a lot of money for players who aren't worth it. But really, they can tank better, more creatively than that. The Cavaliers get no financial benefit and maybe take a huge financial loss if love uh opts out of that contract. They go backwards in talent, and the only thing they get for it is pick number 26 in the draft or 25 or 23 or whatever it might be. Okay, that makes... They get nothing. There is no incentive to, to, for them to do that. Now, you never say never in the NBA. Maybe it happens. I don't know. But I don't see any way the Cavaliers don't laugh and hang up on that offer. I wouldn't say they get nothing out of it because they, they do suck more. And, and and that is that is a the viable. The Cavaliers do. Yeah, the, the Cavaliers right. do because that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I mean okay. they they, they would, would suck something off. The Cavaliers awful. then not suck more by trying to trade Kevin Love to a team with cap space to absorb him and take on a really really crappy couple of players that are 14th and 15th on the bench who make roughly 20 million dollars less than they play pay to Portland's players. I mean they can suck for 20 million dollars cheaper if that's what they want to do. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, how much do you guys, this is kind of like a sidebar that I wasn't expecting, but how much do you guys know about the way general managers deal with each other? Because it seems like there's just certain franchises that deal with each other or that constantly steal each other's players because somehow they have a pipeline. I guess it would be an agent or something like that. So like, you know, maybe Portland and Portland and Cleveland have been dealing together for a while and maybe because they already have that established relationship and other people don't want to work with them and other people don't want to help them. I don't know. 
again, like you said, never say never. No, that, that, that's a real thing as far as the relationships go. Um, there, GMs are people like everybody else. And there are people you like to work with and people that you don't like to work with. Uh, so th- those relationships are key. Um, one of the things that we know about the Neil O'Shea Portland Trailblazers is if you leak anything regarding any potential deals, the deal's off. And that's not, that's the exact opposite of the way a GM like Danny Ainge plays. Danny Ainge wants you to leak everything. He wants every bit of information out there 24 seven. And he's going to, you know, shape the narrative of how the trade's going and they won every trade and they never lose a trade. And if they don't make a trade, it's because the other GM was, was, you know, um, over the top and wanted too much. And his guys are more valuable, blah, blah, blah. It's there's, there's different characters and different reactions and there's different ways they all go about doing these things. And those relationships are key because if your GM doesn't have a good relationship with, um, a, a ton of GMs or other GMs or GMs that have things that you want and that want to make a deal, then that can preclude you from having a deal come to place. I mean, that's, that's, that's the reality of it. <laughs> sure. But I mean, the, the person that the Cleveland GM would have to worry about is not Neil Olshay. I mean, Neil no. Olshay could be my BFF. Come give me foot massages and bring me a Santa Claus bag full of multi-flavored jelly bellies. And I still am not going to my owner with the proposition that I take on too awful contracts for Kevin Love that won't save us any money and that will make us fundamentally worse and we're still going to be capped out because that's going to get me fired. I mean, that's going to get me... That's when GM jobs get into jeopardy. There are ways to do this that if you want to subtly tank that would be smarter and that would please everybody uh, except, you know, the people who are angry that you're losing. But assuming that's going to happen anyway, you've got to make your owner believe that this is a good deal. Deal. And boy, that's a tough pill to swallow. Yes. Yeah. You guys want to talk about a few more people that uh, names that were brought up in questions? Absolutely. Sure. So um, uh, Credence, Credence 26 asked if uh, Tariq Evans is a possibility. And then uh, JD Winter 81, JD asked if there were any ma- major needle movers that could, with quotation marks around it, be available real realistically lamarcus love or to a lesser degree Whiteside, could they possibly be had without losing dame or cj <laughs> Tariq evans lamarcus kevin love we already talked about him hassan Whiteside. yeah so lamarcus you're not getting without a trade and even then i don't know if that's really a reality and that it would require quiet uh, leonard being gone for the spurs to even consider moving him and again for the I same put a pin in that one and talk about that one in a minute <laughs> yeah but it's for the same reasons you know for for kevin love would it make sense for, for san antonio to take on um maurice harkless um evan turner and a first round pick for lamarcus like it's it's the same scenario the spurs are such a uh, professionally run organization have so often come out on the right side of things for the past 25 years, you have a very, very hard time believing that would ever be the reality uh, that would occur. As far as uh, the lesser guys, I've got a list of guys. Mike Beasley, Tyreek okay. Evans, Jabari Parker, Jeff Kareen, Rodney Hood, Joe Johnson, and Luke Richard and Bob Mute. Those are all guys that fit Neil Olshay's press line quote of veteran wings that are playoff ready. Um, Mike Beasley's probably a little bit further off that same with Jabari Parker, but Tyreek Evans is, um, again, these guys are all guys that you're expecting to add to a team. That's going to be a playoff contender with the way the West is shaping up right now. And the, and the, 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 the way the, yeah. the, the Ross, the, the way the, the rosters are in the Western conference, 
I don't think Portland's even a favorite to make the playoffs right now. Not, not by any measure. Uh, the Lakers are, are going to be in the playoffs. A, Le- a LeBron James-led team, barring catastrophic injury, is going to be in the playoffs. That, I, I, just, I just don't think anybody can really argue that at this point in time. Utah, despite all its injuries, was only a few games behind the Portland Trailblazers last year. They're going to leapfrog them, in my opinion, pretty handily. Denver, we know we've talked about Denver in the past, but I think Denver's definitely primed to, to make a run. Um, OKC, are they going to be as much of a disaster as they were last year? I don't know. It's kind of impossible to tell with that because that, that whole team, that whole organization right now is just in such a weird, goofy place. Um, Minnesota, I mean, if they're healthy, they're, they're ahead of Portland, head, head and shoulders. I mean, that, that's, that's what they were until Jimmy Butler went down. So Portland's been in this position where they've had all this injury luck go their way the last couple of years, and it's kind of ballooned their win total. So what does adding a guy like a Tyreek Evans or a Jeff Green or a Rodney Hood to your roster really do for you? Yeah, Jeff Green, probably not. Beasley, uh, Beasley is exact. I have the Beasley line. I, I think I said this somewhere else in a comment that – when you think Mike Beasley is going to help you, uh, <laughs> you have you have now crossed the line into desperation. You've jumped so shark. I'm hoping the Blazers have not uh, do not venture there. I fear that they probably will, but I mean that's that's just not a great idea. Wait, Evans, do you guys seriously think that we're not in the desperation mode right now? Oh okay, no, we are. Okay, look. There's there's the desperation of sitting home lonely, swiping left and right on Tinder, wishing you could find your match. And there's a desperation of putting on a hot pink miniskirt, downing a fifth of Jack, and going out on TriMet trying to get married. I mean, and that's I have the no idea where what, you're going with that one. The latter is what no idea. Is. I mean, the, the, you you are at a bus stop wasted in your prom dress hoping to find love if you think Michael Beasley is going to uh, make the difference for your team. However, depending on how much Evans would play for, uh, I would say he is a player who would probably worth be worth modestly going into the luxury tax for. It would depend on length of contract. And it would depend on amount of contract. If the Blazers could get him, sure, why not? Because, you know, it's not going to make the huge difference. But at a reasonable price, it would be interesting to see him play uh, with their current roster. Do any of these guys from, okay, we'll leave Beasley out of this, Tyreek, Jabari, Jeff Green, Rodney Hood, Joe Johnson, or Mba Mute, do any of them, by adding them to this roster and bringing back Yusuf Nurkic, guarantee them a playoff spot if they're healthy? Guarantee? No. But you do have some future there. I mean, uh, Evans less so. I mean, he's going to be 29 when the season starts. Jabari and Hood specifically, yeah. Yeah, Jabari and Hood. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Hood, I would not object to. In fact, I, I would be okay if they got Hood. Uh, again, it would need to be for a reasonable contract, but his stock going into Cleveland and his stock coming out of Cleveland are two different things, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, providing Cleveland lets him go, by the way. But uh, I, I would be interested in seeing Hood as well, frankly, if he can be had for the right price, because I think that could pay dividends no matter what you do with the rest of the roster in the future. Yeah, adding Rodney Hood, at, at, even giving him the full taxpayer MLE, I, I'd be plenty fine with that. You know, three year, th- giving Rodney Hood three years of like 5.2, I, I wouldn't bat an eye at that. 
So just to be clear, these guys in your list, Dan, could be acquired. These players could be acquired by the Trailblazers through various means, or are they all like TPE? The, no, no, no. The, none, none of these. None of these are TPE. These are. These are. Oh, sorry. These are all guys that the Blazers could go bid on in free agency. Now they're restricted free agents in Jabari Parker and Rodney Hood. The rest of these guys are but unrestricted. But these are all guys that they could pay money to get. Yes, yeah, straight, mean, straight out taxpayer mid-level exception money to them to MLE, bring them to the... That's right. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, the problem being, at that price, their current teams might match them yeah. because they might figure at that price they'd be worth it perhaps for a trade asset later or they'd be thinking along the same lines as Portland that, hey, it, it would be worth taking a flyer on their future still if it's that cheap. Yeah, because if Rodney Hood does turn into a, a serviceable... 15 to 17 point a game guy, which I think he has the propensity to be able to do, especially if you had him next to Damon CJ. Um, uh, I, I think paying him $5.2 million a year would be basically the opposite of paying Evan Turner $17.5 million a year. You're getting a guy who's giving you way more than you're paying for because of the current financial situation of the NBA and of the team. Gosh, that was Almost a hopeful discussion there, you guys. Well, no, 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 no. It, it's hopeful because um, it'll never happen. <laughs> that's that's the thing. Is like, yeah, all these things sound great in you know that light, but the, the chances of them actually happening are slim to none. Now, there, there's a lot of negativity going on around right now concerning the team and the, the current state, the financial situation. Um, I, I will say that if the Blazers were involved in trying to nab Hazonia for that price, I, that's I think that's the right move. The, Tara, two weeks ago when we were talking about uh, the realistic free agent targets the Blazers should be going after, Hazonia and Rodney Hood were two of the guys that I was adamantly driving home. Those, those are two guys that I think would be very, very good for Portland if they were able to land them. But the reality of them being able to be landed at this point in time uh, probably slimmed them down, especially when you consider that Hazonia was if – if it's true that he decided between Portland and New York and he opted for James Dolan's Knicks – let that settle in for a second. The the disaster piece they that has been the New York Knicks. Uh, Fitz that Fizdale. Um, Fizdale that was the that's what I that's a report that I saw that it was Fizdale that he wanted to go play with. That, that's that's great. Uh, I mean, what was what Dave was Fizdale's skeptical? Well, I mean, what is Fizdale's uh, okay. offense? Let's look at Terry Stotts' offense. You're talking about Barney Hozonia. Yeah. Come on. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? I, I begin to suspect over the years, and maybe this is just my cranky old self, but the the Blazers seemed like the the kid who has a girlfriend in Canada, which nowadays you can <laughs> legitimately do. But back when we were young, that was like, well, we don't really have a girlfriend. We don't really have any options. She goes to another high what? school. I know this girl in Canada, yeah. and she's really cool, and she's my girlfriend. And it's just like that's your excuse for why you're standing on the wall at the dance. And no, you're actually really standing on the wall at the dance, and you, you don't really have a girlfriend either. And I think some of these things get leaked in exactly that way. Oh, yeah. and Portland so was so close. No, maybe not. So Fizdale's the girlfriend in Canada, if uh, I'm following Hizonia. this correctly. Hazonia's yeah. the girlfriend yeah. in Canada. All these yes. free agents. 
that the Blazers are supposed to leave. They're so all the close. Canadian girlfriends. Okay. Yeah, it would have been if Portland, they, they, they had a really good case. They just missed. You know what? That's probably in some ways maybe pumping up your reputation. I don't know for sure. Maybe they are close on all these people. If they came out and said we are and we have proof of it, sure. But absent that proof, you know what? When this happens again and again and again and again, you begin to think that maybe the, the name is just being kept warm somewhere. I've heard a couple of names brought into the conversation um, from Denver, uh, you know, now that they've spent a ton of money. Um, Wilson Chandler and um, Darrell Arthur are two people who I've heard uh, talked about. What do you think of those? So Arthur Fareed and Wilson Chandler are all guys that you're talking about using Alan Krabs TPE on. That's that's mm-hmm. what that is. And if, if the Blazers are now willing to do that after not willing to spend any money because you're talking about taking upwards of 13 or around $13 million with Wilson Chandler, mm-hmm. then I think you're going to have some rather angry uh, Blazers fans. I mean, because they wouldn't pay for Ed, but they would pay for them. Yeah, that, you're, that you're willing to eat that much luxury tax for that guy, but you weren't willing mm-hmm. to give Ed Davis his money. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that would send a, a really bad message, um, especially for Damian Lillard. Like, you're not going to find a way to keep my guy, but you're going to go out and get somebody else mm-hmm. who has, you know, all their issues, warts and all. And that, I think that's just a bad, bad look. Oh, I ha- there's one more really important uh, un- piece of unfinished business that we haven't really touched on much, and that is Nurkic. So um, I guess I'll throw that over to you first, Dave. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, where the Blazers might be headed with uh, Nurkic? I think right now, if he's going to get paid more, they're making him work for it. They're making him prove that someone will pay him uh, by making him go out and test the market. And mm-hmm. if he gets a an offer from a team that's significant, they might be between a rock and a hard place, depending on where that offer is. Now, his qualifying offer is $4.8 million, give or take, you know, 50000 uh, And that still puts them, obviously, way over the cap, but has the potential of keeping them south of the luxury tax line, which would save them penalties, would bring in, actually, a significant amount of money at the end of the year because teams are going over, and the luxury tax windfall, which you get as long as you're not a tax-paying team, is going to be significant at the end of this year. So they would save a lot of money or take in a lot of money if Nurkic plays for the qualifying offer. So I think they might be kind of subtly hoping that that will happen. The problem is next year he becomes unrestricted and next year they don't have a real good purchase on him and they're going to face the same problem. They're going to go into the luxury tax in order to keep him probably for a long-term deal and they're going to go into luxury tax both years Uh, if he signs a a deal with someone else and the Blazers match it. So really, I think they're kind of laying low and seeing what the market will bear for him and hoping it's not very much. Dan, you and I have talked about this for hours outside Mm -hmm. of the podcast, so I'm not going to bring our whole discussion into this. Um, But my question for you, though, is 
seeing some of the offers and the signings or the promise of signings that have been made so far this offseason, I believe you had said that the Blazers, uh, previous, I believe you had said the Blazers, you know, might cap their, um, you know, their amount of that they're willing to spend at like, I think 12 or 13, seeing what other people are paying to me, that seems high now, but what do you think? Yeah, I think it seems high now. Um, uh, the, everybody out there was saying that Nurkic is going to command 17, 18 million dollars. Some team's going to offer <laughs> that much. That was never, ever, 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 ever in the cards. Like that just, yeah. it's just not, no, no it's, it's, it's not a thing. Um, as, as far as Nurkic goes, like just kind of, going off what, what Dave said here, if Nurkic ends up taking the qualifying offer, um, that's bad. That's, that's really bad. I don't, I don't really think I've said this publicly before, but um, just from what I know about Yusuf Nurkic and from what I've heard, uh, if he's not feeling the love and you're not willing to pay him, and you're making him test the, the market again, I, I'm, I'm almost willing to bet a large sum of money that he would give the Blazers the Bill Russell. So it, it just it wouldn't work out well for him. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what they might do? We said this in a post a little while ago. They might hope he takes the qualifying offer, then agrees to a trade to someone who he b- believes will want him next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he'll be looking at 2019 then as his negotiation point. And by the way, he'll probably be assuming the Blazers won't pay him then if they won't pay him now. So I agree, he'll probably be unhappy. And if there's any, I think it's the opposite of Ed Davis. I think probably if there's any way he can walk in 2019 and make money, he will if mm-hmm. the Blazers make him play for the qualifying offer. That said, again, Millions and millions of dollars could be at stake here for them. So, you know, I bet it's tempting anyway. Can I give you guys my Pollyanna silver lining to this whole thing? Go for it. Because, you know, I've thought about this a lot. I know you're shocked that I might have a Pollyanna silver lining to this. However, so it sounds like to me you guys are in agreement, or at least, Dan, what you uh, might say is that the Blazers extending and expecting Nurkic to take the qualifying officer offer is like a big slap in the face to Nurkic. Mm-hmm. Okay, have we not all agreed all year that punched in the face Nurkic is the best Nurkic? And if he's doing this and he's mad, he's playing for a contract. So... He wants, doesn't he want to go out there and play his absolute hardest so that somebody else will pay him a whole lot of money at the end of the year? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that'd be great. Getting, uh, getting, uh, that, that great production. It's like a, it's like a ongoing punch in the face. Why? What, what does it matter to you, to not to you, to the, the, the literal, the figurative you, like, what does it matter if the Blazers are better for a year? If he's not, if he's not going to be a part of it going forward. Like what does what in the grand scheme of things what does it matter? Well, you know me, and I don't think I I I don't think that it would necessarily end up where you think it would end up. I think there's still a chance that it would not end up with him being mad. I think it would end up with him being okay and the Blazers somehow figuring out a way to get him more money so they can pay him more. That's a, that's the Pollyanna part. The first part was the silver lining part. That's the Pollyanna part is that I believe that at the end of it, at some point Nurkic might realize that he is happy here and the Blazers might actually be able to figure out how to actually pay him a decent 
amount. But next and year, they, 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 they can't find a way a to pay him. There are paths where that could happen. Well, I mean, there are a couple of divergent roads. One is they do exactly what you say, and then next summer they trade away a big contract or two and use some of that money to finance nurses. Right, they I mean, have a whole extra year to figure it out. It's possible. That said, the other side, the darker side of that, is it depends on who's who's doing the face punching figuratively to Nurkic. When it's an opponent or something like that, or even his teammates goading him onward, yep. he tends to step up. When it's been a coach or when he feels no respect from the team, he shuts down. I mean, it happened in Denver. Uh, it happened in Europe. Uh, so that's it's a risky it's a risky road. And if I were the Blazers, and he signed for the qualifying offer, I would be promising him up and down that next year that it's going to be made good and telling him that he's the long-term future of this team and that all the millions that we're saving by not signing him now. And by the way, you've blown through uh, two two opportunities now. You have the opportunity to extend him, mm -hmm. and now you have the opportunity to uh, offer him a new contract right now, neither one of which has happened. Uh, so it's twice now that you've said no to him. He better be really sure that the third time is going to be a big yes. Or, you know, his motivation it, when it's not there, I don't know. I don't know if I want to take that risk. And if you want to take a look at it from the, the, the grand scheme, from the league-wide view, when you do this to players, this is something that other players around the league take note of. Like if you're again the, the same idea with Ed Davis and Damian Lillard and the feelings we've seen from him. If you're not willing to take care of your guys, that is a real thing that happens in the NBA that I think a lot of people gloss over. If you're not an organization that takes care of your guys and you've shown that you take care of your guys with Alan Crabb and Myers Leonard and Maurice Harkless and, and giving that bag to Evan Turner, and then you're not going to pay the guys that are worth more. That is a hell of a message to send to potential free agents or to guys that you want to bring into your team. It's, it's just not a good look in any way, shape, matter, or form. And that's why I think if he takes the qualifying offer, it, it, it basically means, all right, see you later. Well, it will be interesting to see. Do you guys have any thoughts on, like, the timeline? Is this going to extend, like, out into – I mean, I guess – Nurkic only has a certain amount of time to go and get and see what tests test the waters out there, right? Or does he can he keep testing throughout July? Or does he have only a few more days to talk to people or just have his people they, talk to people? There won't be enough money nobody's left. Nobody's actually here. talking. That's not okay. Yeah, I mean there there won't be enough money left out here in a week or two. The, after that you'll have teams with the odd couple millions here or there, but beyond that, um if he wants to get any money, he needs to get it here relatively soon because it's disappearing very quickly. So we should know pretty soon uh, what the situation is going to be. You think we'll, we'll know by next weekend? Uh yeah. I think because we'll know I'm one way or the other. I'm flying out to Las Vegas on Sunday and I would like to know. I, I think we'll know one way or the other which way it's going to go. Time is less of a, a variable than order of things. Mm -hmm. Restricted free agents tend to get offered last or late because they can be matched. So you don't want to like put all your eggs in a restricted free agent basket because you might not come out up with your person. And then the unrestricted free agents are all gone while the team was waiting to match the restricted free agent, right? So 
it, his will come a little later. But it's also, by the way, the same reason that you didn't see Portland make significant moves on day one. Yeah, they got a minimum contract in Stauskas, but that didn't matter. They were going to pay that anyway, like we said. But the Blazers are kind of offering bargain basement prices, likely. And so you don't get to go first. The guys who are going to make more money get to go and get their money. Then the players that are left and go, oh, I better sign for a bargain. Then all of a sudden, Portland shows up and says, do you say bargain? Because uh, I've got one for you right here. And that's going to happen a little later than the initial rush. So on both things, Blazer fans need to be just a little bit patient. They will develop. And as Dan said, they may develop within a few days, depending on how fast the market rolls. But that speed, the absolute speed is not the issue. It's the order in which the steamroller mm -hmm. hits the various marks, which determines, you know, when it'll happen and how much money is available. Dan, do you see any more um, uh, questions that we have time to get to tonight? No, I think that's that's all I've got time for questions for, because these, these, have, these have been a, a lot of questions that... Uh, really yeah they're great questions covered a lot of ground and they're still rolling in uh, on my twitter feed right. as we're recording you're gonna be so. up all night answering them yeah i got i gotta go back and go answer these so that, that'll definitely <laughs> that'll be a thing but yeah i mean uh, guest guest mailbag on blazer's edge this week just convert them all into a post and, there you go uh, perfect you, you can have my spot and just go ahead and answer them oh god i'm you want me back writing again i'm sorry everybody <laughs> okay well um, do we have anything else that you want to cover right now? Because I have a, a Blazer 5 gaming update we need to do. Uh, we, we can push that one back a little bit because I, I think uh, grand scheme things is something we haven't really discussed a ton of. We've, we've danced around a little bit. And that's the ramifications and feelings uh, for Dam that Damian Lillard has got to be having right now. Oh, yes. Um, yes. The, with where he's sitting from the cryptic emoji-laden tweets um, to the condolences, basically, to Ed um, on multiple fronts. Uh, he had an IG post where it was... Uh, I'm trying to pull it back up right now. Oh, God, am I going to cry if I read it? No, I don't think you're going to cry. I think you're going to be like, oh, dear God, what what world are we... Or what's, what, what is this ridiculousness that we're living in? And it's just... I understand, like, normally when people... When folks want to panic about, you know, what somebody says here or there, I'm like, eh, I think you're reading <laughs> into it. better than an emoji. <laughs> yeah, but I think the, the one that Damian Lillard um, put out there um, was the picture of him and Ed, and it, the caption was, forever my dog shaking my head. Like, oh. that's, I, I know that doesn't, like, scream trade me, but to me that screams I'm really frustrated. Mm -hmm. And for okay. people that are terrified of this whole situation, I, I'm just, it's not a good look. Yeah, I mean, this is not a new situation either. We've no. talked about Lillard McCollum Prime for a while now. Mm -hmm. But look, this is pretty simple, I think. There are a couple guys who are still getting paid a lot of money mm -hmm. by the Trailblazers who have either been up and down in their play or have kind of almost quit. You know, not not like resigned, but you see them get down. You see them go through big dips. You see them in and out of the lineup and not giving the same uh, effort or having the same result every night. And they're making three times what Ed Davis just got or mm -hmm. four times or whatever it is. Right. Don't want to pin people down too much. Uh, but uh, the guy who gave it every night and who was that guy who was the rock, you just let go 
for a third the price. That's that's the reaction there, I think. I do not think that uh, this one thing will tip the scales on whether Lillard stays or leaves or is happy or sad for the duration of his career. That said, this is not a good thing. This is no. not a positive mark. And another year is rolling by in that contract, and another year is rolling by in Damian's career where it looks like the Blazers are not going to make real forward progress. And at some point, that's going to start to eat at him. And we swore up and down. He did. I'm going to be a Blazer for life last year. I'm telling you, that changes. It can change in a season. It can change in a month. It dawns on you that what you said is not as binding as the reality that's happening around you. And that if you commit to something you said two or three years ago, you're going to spend your career, your entire career, which you don't get back in a non-ideal situation. And when that happens to you, you have to move on. There's not a choice anymore. It's up to the Blazers to make sure that Damian doesn't get there. And they sure have not done it with this move and they've not done it yet this offseason yeah i mean you you basically said exactly what um damian lillard's cousin uh uh deuce brookfield threw out on twitter and his his, his general note was um you got all the money in the world to pay you know all these other guys but you can't find five million to pay ed davis bet like okay I see you. I, I see what you're doing. And it, it's just kind of like you just, it's that frustrated nodding. Like, okay, fine, fine. That's how it's going to be. Okay, cool. Like it, it's at some point in levels, it, it's it, everyone. And it's not just fans. It's, it's the, it's the players that are at the top of the food chain that throw their hands up in the air. Like you asked me to do this. I deliver and you still can't find a way to make something work that it, it, you said it's, it's not, the straw that breaks the camel's back here, but it's definitely, you know, one of those straws, you know, it's, it's one of those ones that, that adds to the pile and that's never a good thing. I'm going to add, ask a question that might potentially open a can of worms. So don't open the can of worms, <laughs> just answer it quickly. But are there other uh, teams where you see similar situations developing or you have seen similar situations i just like to the, the thing about it especially when things get frustrating and feel kind of hopeless is i just try to like learn from things so i'd be really curious if in history you've seen this or if there are like i don't know is washington going through this right now like could we learn anything by seeing how they are coping or not coping with this type of a situation um, I mean, you have a lot of teams yeah. who have gone through this. Uh, Cleveland with LeBron. Uh, if you look at Minnesota with Kevin Garnett, uh, they were not able to build around mm -hmm. him. They had one year with Latrell Sprewell, but it fell apart. And eventually he ended they, up leaving. I mean, just look trading at, him to Boston. Yeah. Look uh -huh. at a lot of teams where the superstar didn't quite work out. And the lesson, Tara, I think is, is, is easy here. These little things that people want to rationalize away that, oh, this was a smart move in this way, or, oh, there was nothing else that they could have done, or, oh, you know, the, yeah, this doesn't make a lot of sense, but maybe in the future it will. You have to stop doing that, because you know what? The guys you're trying to convince, the guys who play this game, the guys who actually make decisions about their careers, they're not buying that line. 
They don't look at things that way. And if you want to keep your team viable and your players happy, you have to start looking at things like they do. You can't always take the rosiest explanation and say, well, this is it, or excuse the faults as they go along. Uh, and I think the Blazers, for years now, have been selling a line to themselves that everything they do totally makes sense when a good portion of the rest of the NBA is either overtly or covertly going, no, dog, you're fooling yourself there, and it's pretty obvious from the outside that it's not working. And all of a sudden, the they that the Blazers used to be cohesive and fight against have now become their own players who are starting to wake up and realize, you know what? This wasn't what what we were sold on it being. So what is it that those of us who have been rationalizing these things that they've been doing, what is it that we're supposed to do instead? That you're supposed to do? Yeah. You probably, there's nothing that you can do. But the decision makers up there, whoever is north of, you know, the, the power line in the Blazers organization probably needs to wonder about whether this this route is viable because it's now apparent to most other people I think that it's not and barring a miracle move that every team hopes they get it's not going to be viable it's not going to be better next year and it wasn't really subtle that this wasn't going to work and we haven't seen the move to change the mind yet and I think that probably people up at the top of this franchise either are or should be smarter than they have been about this stuff and I hope that they wake up at some point because their players are going to wake up and then they're going to leave. Yeah, I'll say the when you want to point out other examples of, of franchises or situations, pick a bad franchise. Pick a franchise that's been stuck, whether it's at the very bottom and just makes mistake after mistake after mistake. Um, Sacramento Kings, the Phoenix Suns, the New York right, Knicks. Right, okay, that's who I was going to say. Yeah, it's that, that, Sacramento that, Kings with Boogie, but like our Boogie and Damian, I mean, they're completely different superstars, I guess. Exactly, but what's worse? Boogie, who's totally mercurial and just doesn't, you can't trust him, and he might go here, there, or everywhere, and you, you've got, like, basically a stick of dynamite in your hand, and you don't know which way the fuse is lit. Okay, that's one thing. Blowing that situation is understandable. When you've got a guy who's a bona fide talent, who is totally committed to you, who fits in your culture and defines your culture and says, I want to be a part of this, and you still blow it, that's a totally different level of bad. Now, we saw it in miniature with Ed Davis. We're going to see it writ large with Damian Lillard unless they turn this around. Dan, you were saying about Sacramento and other fan bases? No, no, I mean, Dave he just nailed it. I mean, that's, that's what it is, is that you only get so many opportunities at guys like Damian Lillard. And mm -hmm. I, I've heard some people like, oh, it's okay for the Blazers to build towards 2020, and I, I, I want to rip my hair out of my skull. Like, just blowing past Damian Lillard's prime and just excusing every mistake that's been made. It, it's just like, like that that's okay, that that's acceptable. That's how you end up like an organization like the Kings or the Suns, where you're totally and completely irrelevant because nothing is, nobody's held accountable. There's, there's no... Um, there's no process where the evaluation is is put in play and piece by piece broken down and that accountability is is, is put towards somebody. Is that that's how you just propagate the cycle? 
And, and to me, that, that's, well, that's and Dan, amazing. I'm sorry, Tara, but 2020, let's tackle that for a second. The Blazers don't have that much cap space in 2020. <laughs> They're minimum 65 or 66 million, but probably realistically 75, and that's without Nurkic. If you have Nurkic on board still, which I think you do if you have a viable team, uh, then you're probably at 85. So really, what's the cap then? You're looking about 25 million in cap space, and you've got to do seven players with that. That's that's not cap space. Okay, right? so you guys are making a lot of arguments, which I understand, and you're pointing out a lot of things that I totally get. So say um, they handed me this job and I started next week. What should be my first move? Moving off one of the contracts. Damian Lillard to assistant GM. Yeah, that's I mean, at this point, that's if you're going to go with him, that's what you got to do. Making uh, Damian Lillard the assistant GM. You've got to you got to wrap him into everything you do. Right. And, and then you've got to dump. So just go to him and, and say, what should I do? And then Damian has some ideas that seem like they might be viable, but they're going to cost a lot of money. Yep. Yeah. I do them. That's why you have to dump contracts, too. And then you have to do them. But then flip a coin whether they actually work. Because right. What if nobody wants to do them with me? Players make bad GMs, by the way. But <laughs> at this point. So thanks point, a lot for setting me up for failure, you guys. Well, look, at this point, we're assuming that Lillard is the way to go. Either that or you have to start trading them all away and get an incredible amount of future assets for them while you can. And that's probably really the more viable route if you just got hired and you're making a six-year plan with this team. And it's a nuclear you option. You need to think about trading them. God, that's depressing. <laughs> it's like a it's like a blank canvas with a big hole in the middle <laughs> yeah i mean well, they didn't always have it i mean I, I hate to keep bringing this up but this is why 2016 bit oh this yeah is, we've heard that is, before we've well, litigated that, that over and over and over and over again what I'm trying to do is learn from it and move on. And I know what they say about those who don't understand history are doomed to repeat it. I get that. I've had this lesson. How long do I keep having to have this lesson before I get a concrete example of what I need to do to move forward? You can't move well, we forward just gave still. You one. That's, the, the, that's the problem. Blown it up. Is you gotta, probably got to blow it up. Uh, you know, And that's a sad, sad referendum yeah. on how much the, the missed opportunity can cost. Mm -hmm. Now, again, if you don't blow it up, you got to help for miracle moves. You got to trade away salary, get some flexibility, hope you can bring in a free agent, maybe hope Damien and CJ will re-sign together, or you can trade CJ for a viable piece at some point to balance out the roster. But even then, that's not going to be enough. So, yeah, I mean, Tara, you want the truth. It looks pretty bleak right now. And the free agency that's happening right now is, is indicative of that, as was the free agency that happened last summer. And the reality is that over the next couple of years, Blazer fans are probably going to have to settle for the idea that they're going to have to start again and probably start again without Lillard because whatever it was that was in the prime of Lillard's career didn't come to fruition as a team. Well, I'm going to hope for a miracle because the last <laughs> thing that they want to do is put me in charge. And uh, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll find it. I'll find the silver lining. I mean, whatever happens, I'll find a reason to watch. Which um, you should. Right. And, but, uh, and, and I'm not telling just, anybody just to just not watch second, either. Just, a, just perspective. The Blazers have rebuilt before. 
all right? This is not the only time, the first time this will have happened. This is like at least the eighth major generational rebuild that the Blazers will have had. The sad thing is that other than Brandon Roy, uh, which injuries shortened, that this one is not going to come to fruition in a particularly painful way. But light does shine again, and a rebuild will eventually bear fruit. You just have to hold on till it does. I still want to know what you have to follow up on that with Dan. <laughs> no, I mean that, that that's the thing is like and that's why I've I've pinned out in front of trying to get the rebuild started years ago. Uh-huh. When LaMarcus left, they should have just overhauled the living bejesus out of everything. And they didn't. And then they doubled down with the with the deals they handed out. And now that's the bed that you have to sleep in. And the only way to get out of it is a, is a nuclear or near nuclear option. That that's those are the, that's just the reality of it. Like if you want to look for your silver lining, is that that there are stupid GMs in, in the NBA, and that a miracle hail mary could come Portland's way. I choose not to believe or pin my hopes to that because I think once you're getting to that level, then it's just. I feel like the franchise just kind of got you by the by the horns there, and I I just I don't ever want to be in that position where I'm beholden to a a process or an idea that's never going to come to fruition in reality. Heard what you were going to say there. Good catch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right, guys, we're going pretty long on this. You got any last? thoughts on what might happen this week anything that we should be keeping our eyes out for any harbingers of uh doom or actual like repair and recovery bring out your dead um (laughs) no the blazers will make a move They, they they have to they they have to do something right now because the the optics are just so toxic that they have to do something um, it probably won't be pretty and it'll be sold as this great thing. Um, but I, I just, I don't see it being all that great. So, so um, what, one thing I've learned is that we need to, uh, you know, look critically at what people tell us about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's when, when they sit there and they tell us that it's like, you know, it was, it was the greatest move that, uh, you know, could have possibly happened. We need to look at it through the lens of how many other people got deals before they did uh, temper it with a, a little bit of that. And then just like dive in and take our wild guesses on how it's possibly going to work basketball wise and see what happens in the fall. Yep. I mean, that's true. I mean, hope for, hope for a big move. I mean, I think the potential is still there. You should hope for a big move to shake it up. It's probably not going to happen. So you're going to get a smaller one. I agree with Dan, 100%. They're going to make a move. But uh, ask yourself whether that move was better than Ed Davis. Uh, ask yourself whether that move really makes a significant difference. Ask yourself how Damian Lillard is going to feel about that move and whether it really pushes the Blazers farther in the playoffs, which they need to do to convince him and CJ that they're not wasting their time here. If the answer to all those are yes, fantastic move if the answers to all of those are best move available what else were we going to do we've heard that before that's how we got into this situation you might want to take it with a grain of salt (laughs) all right well uh next time we talk dan i'm going to be in vegas at summer league and i'm pretty excited about this year because the blazers are going to have some people in it 
competing hard. I mean, we're going to have Anthony Simons and Gary Trent Jr. along with Zach Collins and Caleb Swanigan. We shall, well, I guess Jake will be back. This will be year three. This will be the the year for him to hopefully hit the game winner in the big game. And then, of course, a number of um, other guys who have who have signed on. Can I give my Blazer 5 gaming update yet? I mean, sure. So they lost <laughs> my sweet boys who I have a, a, apparently a very high standard for. They went out and they lost. They came out and they crushed the Celtics in the first quarter. It was like 27 to five or something ridiculous like that after the first quarter. And then they proceeded to lose the game and it was gut wrenching. It was, it was terrible. And, and I just, I couldn't stand it. I don't, I don't like feeling like that. And fortunately I only feel it about blazer five gaming in their very short seasons. I, I feel empathy though, for people who are crushed that badly when their team loses, I'm starting to understand what that feels like, but for some reason it only works for blazer five gaming. Dave, have you watched any of the blazer five gaming? I have not. Oh, you gotta watch it. It's so much fun. It's very exciting. It's way more fun than when they win, of course, and they've won virtually every other game. But it's really fun to watch. That's I awesome. I would suggest you watch it. Very well, good. anyway, Dave, I want to thank you so much for joining us this week. I was really glad. I know people have been asking when you were going to come back on the podcast. This seemed like a really great time to bring you on when we had lots of juicy stuff to talk about. Thank you so much for bringing your perspective. It was great to have you back on. Dan, as always, great to talk to you. Would you like to do the honors and take us out of here tonight? Sure, why not? Why don't you let everybody know where they can find you first, Sarah? Oh, yeah. At TCB Biggs on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow at Hoops and Talks if you want to get notified when the uh, Hoops and Talks episodes are uh, dropped every other Thursday. Otherwise, just find me at TCB Biggs. All right. And the Grand Poobah himself, Dave Decker, can be found on Twitter at Dave Decker, the managing editor of Blazers Edge. Uh, man. I wish we had some better news for you, folks. Uh, hopefully by this time next week we'll have some more good news, or some good news. Uh, in the meantime, just kind of stay tuned. If you've got questions, make sure you get them into us on Twitter, to Tara, to myself. Um, if you've got some broader questions, you can always send them to Dave for his mailbag, because I know he loves mailbag questions. <laughs> but, Actually, I'll share some with you, Dave. There you go. Write for us. Write a mailbag feature with his extra questions. There we go. I'll, I'll, we'll get the, get the mailbag going uh, with the, uh, the rookies. Uh, for but, <laughs> That sounds so terrible. <laughs> Yeah, it does. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at DMarang. You can find me on Blazers Outsiders. At Maranga Bag. You got to yeah, change exactly. your name. No, again. no, no. I changed it to Danny. I, I gave that up already. All right, that was that was enough. Come on, folks. I, I have standards. <laughs> you can find me on Blazers Outsiders on Tuesdays and Thursday nights on NBC Sports Northwest at 7 p.m. Uh, we got some really cool things cooking, so stay tuned for that. Uh, for Tara, for Dave, I'm Dan. Make sure you like us. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, your almighty baller podcast network feed. Anywhere else you're basically looking for your podcast downloads. Like, subscribe, rate, review. Undo it all and do it again and take advantage of the system. You know, that's how you got to do it. For all of us folks, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week.